0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
1: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC. Welcome to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives.
2: Hello everybody and welcome once again to the show, made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. And today we're speaking to a man who played 237 AFL games and was a star of the North Melbourne Football Club during an incredible era of success. He was tall, he was athletic and he possessed a booming kick. Corey McKerner won two flags, was named league MVP, All-Australian and a best and fairest winner as well. Only suspension robbed him of more and significant individual acclaim. Corey McKernan, welcome. Thanks a lot for your time.
0: What do you mean, was Sammy? But you're not dare suggesting I can't kick it 60 metres down. <laughs> well,
2: no, I wouldn't dare suggest that. Actually, <laughs> looking at you now, you look in magnificent condition. Do you still kick the pill around or what?
0: No, definitely, definitely don't uh play footy at all. But I I I, I am really big on uh I still go to the mm-hmm. gym maybe four to six times a week. So I i I don't know, I sort of, I I don't know how a lot of guys that have played with the game, now I'm not there suggesting that they, you know what I mean, have got the same regime as when we played footy, but for me, there's a direct correlation how I'm feeling physically and it carries over to how I reckon I feel mentally. I I feel like I'm operating at my best and sharp that when I'm fit and healthy and yeah, I've always wondered that like when guys like finish their chosen profession and you see many of many of football have let themselves go and mm. maybe get into a few bad habits I, I just think it goes hand in glove in terms of looking after yourself so
2: well you look fit you look healthy and I might add it's it's really nice of you to sit down and do our little podcast when you've started one of your own you've uh, don't think do came out last week with big bad bustling Barry Hall
0: yeah it was really good like I, I th- and again not to sound cliche we, we wanted to do something that wasn't just the standard um, footy talk. I think there's enough footy in Australia that gets, um, there's only so many ways you can talk about the game. But where we're trying to be a little bit different, it is aligned to what the purpose of, um, and I know we'll end up talking about Walk With Me, but yeah, we'll, we, we talk, you know, I mean, talk about the footy and what's going on with that. But then what we've tried to do is any guest that comes on the show, like we had Anthony Koudafidis come on and, and, we want to always ask them what's something that they do to look after themselves from a physical and mental point of view. And it's great getting the answers off those guys for people out there. They might all of a sudden hear, I will Kuda, for example. And even the one that was very unique when you got Kuda and Barry Hall saying that they both do meditation. I think Mm -hmm. for everyone out there, if you've got people like Kuda won an AFL MVP and you've got, um, I mean, Barry was probably Big Bad Barry. It might be uh, Guru Barry if he's uh, doing the, the meditation. And it's just, that's all you want to do. You want little things out there that people, they might all of a sudden look at what we we are doing and go, hang on, I'll incorporate that into my life as well.
2: Yeah, so Walk With Me. Let's discuss it now. That's your charity. So the podcast covers off the physical and mental well-being aspects that you touched on. Um, yep. and, and Walk With Me is involved, which is exactly what the not-for-profit is all about at its core, isn't it?
0: Yeah, so it was quite interesting, Sammy, like when the when the pandemic, we are one of the few businesses that probably I started it in the pandemic because I unfortunately saw a headline in the Australian newspaper that the suicide toll was going to outstrip the coronavirus toll. So then I thought, what can I actually do? And and coming from that space of, you know, I mean, North Melbourne during the 90s and being involved in football and, and, and sort of having a lot of habits and routines, I thought, what can I actually do? And that's when I started doing live Zoom walks for people at seven o'clock in the morning, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I think that first year of the pandemic, we did something like 100 and, 103 Zoom walks. Um, but all we we're trying to do, so I mean, we we're trying to lift the mood. Like I think during the pandemic, every everyone was great at telling us everything we couldn't do. All that we were trying to do is, okay, what are the things that we've got control over? Sound a little bit like Dennis Pagan, but what um, are the things that we've actually got control over? And that's where looking after yourself from a physical and mental point of view. And and again, the the plethora of, of guests, great guests that we had. And like I mentioned before, if they all of a sudden hear what a James Heard or Eddie Maguire, or all these, there were many, many great guests that we had on uh, that we did it in that first year of the pandemic. And it was, to be honest, even though I, I live in Queensland now, at least I felt like I was actually doing something worthwhile and helping a lot of people in Victoria that were going through a tough time. Um, that said, we're just refining the vision now and what we are going to do. We, we will have, we've got, I've got Barry Hall as an ambassador. I've um, got Sharni Leighton as an ambassador. And we changed uh, the direction now that we will go out to local sporting organizations. it be like elite athletes giving back to the community. Mm. Um, we go out and take training, come in afterwards um, we can talk about the pillars that make up their physical and mental fitness. And when we really get it cranked up this year, so I mean, it'll be, I mean, I'm really, really looking forward to doing it. Cause I know that when you go out to those sporting clubs, if you can use the platform of us and AFL footy and Barry and I scenario or Sharni being the netball and footy. Um, yeah. I mean, it, if they can just hear little bits, yes, we can talk about these pillars that make up their physical and mental fitness, but I think if they hear it from myself or Barry or people like that, again, we're only talking about making little changes that can make a big difference in their lives.
2: So what you're doing, that sounds fantastic, and what you're doing will help in this regard, but your feats on the footy field, some of which I detailed off the top, do they come readily to mind like they happened yesterday, Corey, or do they almost feel like another another life now?
0: Um, Well, thankfully, and and I don't know, it probably sticks in my mind many, many years ago that, It was in, I remember this in, I don't know why, 1997. And I remember at that time they had a a premiership reunion for the 1977 premiership team. And I remember I'm only three, four years into your playing career. And when you're talking about things that happened 20 years ago, you're thinking, my God, that was a lifetime ago. But it's funny now that we're in the same position. I'm I'm thinking it's only not that long ago, but it it is actually Mm. a long time ago now. And I think the biggest difference, Sammy, why it doesn't feel like a long time ago is because all these games that get played on Fox and I think everyone having YouTube and social media and things like that, that's why it doesn't feel like that long ago. Um, but it was, look, in terms of that that period that we'll, I was very, very fortunate um, to go into North Melbourne at that time and the stars aligned a little bit that you had the under-19s finishing North having the pick of the bunch of the under 19s at that time. You had myself, Glenn Archer, and Stuart Anderson. Like, there was just an unbelievable ar- array of talent that North had first first picks on. But then you also had the era, like that little period before us. You had Wayne Carey come through. You had Wayne Swoss, Anthony Rock. Like, you had all these names that come through the under 19s. And it was when you think about it, the stars did a line that, Yes, North in that pre, that fateful pre-season in 1993 where Shimmer, unfortunately, they got beaten by 148 points. And then next minute, Dennis Pagan's at the helm, and it was a magnificent turnaround.
2: So you're up in Queensland now, which is a long way away from the western suburbs of Melbourne town where you grew up. You played for West Meadows in the Eston District Footy League. Now, where did footy sit in your life for a young Corey McKernan? I think you were footy mad as a kid, but then I know you love your golf now and golf was prevalent in your life at a young age as well.
0: Yeah, look, I think for many, many years, I backed for Collingwood as a kid. So I'd um, I'd, I'd go to watch games at Victoria Park. And at that time, I think, yeah, as you mentioned, I was I was playing at West Meadows. And once I got to about 12 or 13 years old, and I think the I used to go with dad, and I would. Um, it was either after footy or cricket. I'd either go with him and then play golf, and then I started to do that a little bit. But I probably think where it went into overdrive, and I distinctly remember it. And it's funny how the U.S. Masters is coming up. It was probably the 1986 U.S. Masters that, for those golf fans out there, it's probably still to this day the greatest U.S. Masters of all time—the one that Jack Nicklaus won his sixth green jacket. And but there was also a man that would. Go on to break our hearts many times, Sammy and Greg Norman. Like I saw Greg Norman on there, you know, I mean, big blonde Greg Norman, the way he played the game. And and that, and that from I still remember that from that moment on. I was probably more interested from the time I was 13 up until I was 17, about, you know, I mean, playing golf. And even in the old handicap days, I got my handicap down to three. I think in in today's To give everyone an idea, like I I think there was no one, there was only two people in Victoria that were actually playing off scratch. So it was a lot harder to play off scratch. Like nowadays, you're hearing people are plus two, plus three, plus four, but that handicap system, the way it was, was a hell of a lot. It was a lot, hell of a lot harder to get down to scratch than what it is now. The lowest I got down to was three. So.
2: So just before we break then, you've obviously got some ambition of being a pro golfer. I mean, you go to put your head on the pillow at night, you think Geez, it'd be good to be a pro golfer, but you're showing a bit on the footy field too. Now, am I right in saying, because legend has it, that a certain Dennis Pagan would make the trek out to your neck of the woods and try to convince you, hey, we need you down at Arden Street for training. How, how many times did Dennis make the trip out to the family home?
0: Yeah, he would have come out a few times. Like I, it was, I was, as I said, I was playing, it was more through school football, um, so my, my life was sort of working beautifully then because I'd either have school football during the week and then I think I'd started playing at West Meadows. I, I kept playing at West Meadows, I mean. So then I had it all sorted, like, and I was still playing golf, you know what I mean? So, um, and it was only North Melbourne were in charge of the the school zone in our area. So you had Rowan Robinson, who is no longer uh, with us Um Robo used to take he'd umpire the games and we'd actually joke many years later I got sent off three or four times in school footy because I actually told Robbo where to go with some of his umpiring decisions but in the end yeah as you mentioned um yeah had Dennis Pagan come out the house and I distinctly remember he had this silver chimera that I'd see it either coming down the court in Gladstone Park and I'd go and hide in the back room and I'd just say to mum I go just tell him I'm not here I've got nothing else to say and it was quite interesting. I think he actually got me at a weak moment and he, I think he got me on the phone. He said, oh, and you'd have a laugh at this because you would have heard it over the journey. He just said, oh, listen, son, <laughs> he goes, you can come down. He goes, don't worry about training on Tuesday night. Just come down train Thursday night, train Thursday. And then I'll, I'll put you in the team on Saturday where we were going to play some Kilda. I think it was about round six, 1991. So I did exactly what Dennis said. And Went down the training Thursday night, and then I remember Lance Williams saying, "Oh yeah, he actually is a big rap for you. He wants to get you in." And I didn't really, didn't really care at this point. I think I was just playing just to get him off my back. And then, the fir- I think the first quarter against St Kilda, I kicked five goals in the first quarter, and then um, I think I kicked eleven for the game. And then that was. That was it after that. I remember Dennis famously said after the game, and again, he said, listen, son, he goes, I don't think you'll kick 11 goals ever again. And guess what? He was right.
2: (laughs) You're listening. This is your journey. Thanks to Tober Brothers, a family of business since 1934. So Corey McKernan is about to walk into the senior Arden Street change rooms, chock full of talent, ready to make their mark. We'll revisit that next.
1: Hello, great to have your company on this
2: is your journey made possible by Tobin Brothers Funerals at Celebrating Lives. We're chatting to dual North Melbourne Premiership player Corey McKernan. So, Corey, those early days at Arden Street, the facilities, it's fair to say, were a fair way off what they are now. But some big names. Did you go in a little bit apprehensive into that environment or were you just ready to rip the joint apart? What was your mental state going in as a whippersnapper?
0: No, look, again, I I wasn't really that serious about playing footy. Like I think those first couple of years Like, yeah, and I wasn't, I wouldn't say that I was ultra serious, but it was probably only maybe this just before the start of 1993, I think uh, really it was sort of Mark Roberts, of all people, who sort of took me under his wing a little bit. Um, And then I I actually pulled my finger out and, um, yeah, decided, I mean, I got a hell of a lot more serious in the off-season in 1993. My weight went from, I think, 86 kilos to 97 kilos. So I put on 11 kilos in the pre-season. And, like, it was actually a joke how much I was actually eating in the course of a day. Most <laughs> days I get to dinner and I couldn't eat dinner. Um, but one thing that did happen at the, in 1993, and and I, I've told this story, I think, only a couple of times, but Australia Day 1993, so we had a camp to puck a punyal and... We went up there and on the Friday night I started to get a real sort of pain in the guts and turns out that um we didn't know at the time. I went into Puckapunial Hospital I think on Saturday morning. I ended up coming back to Melbourne. I distinctly remember I think it was Australia Day 1993 because I had tickets for Guns N' Roses at Calder Park and it would have been about 38, 40 degrees but that that day was probably as close a day I nearly come to dying because what happened, I'd ruptured my appendix, so I had all the poison and stuff going yeah. around my body. And I remember I went into hospital on the Monday night. I woke up on the Tuesday, and I had like a a bag that was draining this excess fluid out of my body. And I think within the space of five days, that 97 kilos went back to about 80, like I was back in the... So I'd lost all the pre-season. So that was the start of 1993, so as as much as I did a pretty good job of actually getting back into – I played my first game that year. I, I really had lost everything um, in terms of – and what happened, I think I was an emergency something like 10 or 11 times in
2: 1993.
0: Mm. So then I'd made up my mind for 1994. I said, you know what and – and this would be advice for any young players. Like all, all that I said to myself, I go, you know what, I'm going to – I'll become that good that they have to play me. It's not – yeah, I mean, not copying an excuse of, oh, your emergency, and we're going to go with Alex Ashenko or Peter Mann or John Longmore. I'm just going to go, you know what? i will become that good. It's your problem, not, you know what I mean? Mm. So that's what I did. Went into 1994, and then, yeah, just like I actually did have a full pre-season and then, yeah, came out and had a had a really good year in 1994. Taken by Crocker. Kicks to the goal front. Mark the curtain. And his athleticism his ability to read the game, just outstanding. Well, he must kick this goal for North, and he does. Can he go short? No, he's going to bomb it away into the square. Oh, terrific play. Looks like a set play, that maybe. Important kick for North. McKernan's now kicked two north of kick three. Crocker, from a standing start to half forward. Oh, what a mark
2: McKernan. You're shattering to miss out on the Gunners, though. a colder. But anyway, um, you're an old on regular from 94 onwards, and that actually coincided with North's real rise to prominence. Now, one of the most memorable finals of all time took place at the end of that year. It was the Hand of God with Gary Ablett, Mick Mm. Martin, Crestfallen. What are your memories of of this game and the role that you played in it?
0: Um, Learned a massive lesson, and I don't think I've actually told this story. Um, So I think I learned a massive lesson before that game (laughs) <laughs> it's quite funny because Dennis Pagan wound Alex Ashenko and I up like a top that we were going to basically try and kill Johnny Barnes. And maybe it was karma for later that I tried to kill him because then I actually did lose the brownlow with Barnesy. but, yeah. um, but no, I remember pre-game standing at center half forward and I actually got that worked up where I was yelling at Johnny Barnes at the start of the game that we we're going to get him that I actually then took it too far. So it was a, it was a huge lesson for me about not, you know, I mean, not getting too wound up. And mm. I it was actually a massive learning experience. I didn't I played okay in the prelim, but obviously the prelim had been sort of dominated by Wayne Carey once again. Like I was I was reasonable, but learned a massive lesson in terms of yeah, preparing for big crowds and occasions and things like that. So I really did use it. The other thing I distinctly remember, I remember after the game, never had seen so many grown men crying, you know what I mean. Like at that point when you're on the cusp and you not you're not to know what's going to happen down the track. Yeah. You know, I mean, you've had your chance at going into a grand final and would have been an interesting grand final. Like Geelong got belted in the grand final. But can you imagine um that might have settled the the debate with Wayne Carey and Glenn Jakovic. Can you imagine the mm-hmm. the grand final build up with Carey and Jakovic in a grand final would have been, it's like we were just bit players. We'll just how about you two just do kick to kick, and we'll see what happens.
2: (laughs) So there's another lost prelim 12 months later, 95, this time to Carlton. But by 96, the side's absolutely humming along. So you get over the prelim hump against the Brisbane Bears. But the other prelim, Sydney and Essendon, the SCG, was an all-timer, obviously highlighted by pluggers. Any score will do, long bomb behind. Now, you weren't watching that one from the couch, though, were you? You you were sitting somewhere unique. Where were you watching this prelim final?
0: Yeah, well, again, it it probably match the mindset of um yeah what you were trying to achieve in 1996 that soon as I hurt my knee I wasn't going to rely I knew from the get-go and that's another massive lesson for anyone I'd made up my mind I was playing in the grand final didn't matter didn't matter what was going to happen like, so it's a had...
2: yeah so it's a PCL knee on knee yeah. against the Brisbane Bears and by by all measures you're missing several weeks of football here
0: yeah potentially but the thing is Sammy I'd never ever thought in my mind that I was not going to play. Like, Mm. I'd already made my mind up from the get-go. And as bad as, like, by the, just going forward, by the Wednesday, I went into Vimy House and I had about 40 mils of blood drained out. And I remember Harry Unlick, um, who, by the way, Harry and Con, like, the doctors that we had at the North Melbourne Footy Club, along with the physios Roger and, and Gordon, like they were, Harry was really good at knowing what you could play with and what you couldn't. And I think that was the first time that Harry actually said to me after they drained about 40 mils of blood out, out of my knee. And he, hmm. he said, I don't know, Cause, I don't think it's a really good idea that you're going to play. And my response was, no, Harry, it might have had something else in it. But, <laughs> I'm but again, Harry was really, he was brilliant at knowing what you could and what you couldn't play with um so i don't know once we'd actually again as much as me having the mindset and i did enough preparation and yeah i was sitting in the hyperbaric chamber i think i was looking out the the window and i that's when i saw the you know when i was trying to watch parts of the game um but then i remember when plugger kicked the point and then we knew that we were playing the swans in the grand final but again that was a part of my mentality i don't know how much the barrack chamber helped i love but it least,
2: how i love it how so you guys play in the afternoon obviously in those days and then the sydney essner game was that night on the saturday so by the time that game's on you're in the hyperbaric and you had a mate didn't you In mooney pons who had a hyperbaric chamber how many how many of us have mates who own a hyperbaric chamber
0: well it was interesting at that point because I, and again as much as i had full full trust in what our doctors were saying like i don't think that they were really thrilled about you know in things like doing doing things like that but In my head, if it was a thing that was going to help me to play, I just went, well, you know what, let's try everything. You know what I mean? I don't know how much that helped or didn't help. I think I might have done maybe two or three sessions, maybe a couple of sessions. Um, But who knows? I I don't know if it helped psychologically. Again, if you're going into a game like that, knowing that you've done absolutely everything possible, well, then all that's left to do is go and play. Corey
2: McKernan is winning his battle with his knee ahead of the 96 Grand Final, but he couldn't do anything about the Brownlow medal. We'll touch on that next on This Is Your Journey thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives.
1: You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Journey with Sam Edmund. For Tobin Brothers Funerals, visit tobinbrothers.com.au. Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. Hello. We hope you're enjoying this week's edition
2: of This Is Your Journey. Today's guest is former North Melbourne and Carlton Ruck forward Corey McKernan. So, Corey, round 6.96. Brownlow eligibility on the line for you at the tribunal. Now, the charge is kneeing Geelong's John Barnes. And the umpire in charge was Peter Carey. described the act as unnecessary, certainly dangerous and careless. Now, you defend yourself by saying you had eyes for the ball and then had to take, you know, some evasive action to land. Yet, you cop a week. Looking back now, did you
0: deserve it? I would say you classified as clumsy. Barnes takes a pretty good grab. Yep. So 50 metres against Corey McKernan. Corey. No, it wasn't uh, the right way to finish off the piece of play, mate. John Barnes kicked two great goals last week against Richmond after starting on the interchange bench. Now, it looks like McKernan may have been reported. So, umpire... Peter Carey has just notified him of such such an act. Is it... uh, Have I seen many players do it over the journey since. Yeah, I have. Um, You know what? Like, I I think only for the first time ever, once I saw um, what had happened with Paddy Cripps last year, that was, in all honesty, it was probably only for the first time ever where I went, yeah, I think we were pretty stiff. Mm. Like, and I've never said that before, but I'm like, when you look at someone get two weeks and then they find a way to get off, when you get one week, and then you go, hang on, like it's, yeah, that, that was it. That was probably only for the first time ever I thought we're a little bit stiff. And when I say we, you're talking about me and Chris Grant, you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. you you cop a one week and Chris Grant and I aren't going to be in the Barry Hall and the Dermot Breran category. So we're not, you know, I mean players that have go out and maliciously um, do the wrong thing. But yeah, that was probably for the first time last year where I actually looked at it and thought I'd never, ever thought that before. I thought, you know what, you cop your week. Um, but mind you, I've always been more proud about the way that I handled the entire week of 1996. Like as a 22-year-old, mm. I essentially had the whole planet thrown at me. Like I had my knee, I had the Brownlow, I had all these things. I could have got the Saturday and easily turned my toes up and not played well. But to come out in the grand final and have 31 possessions playing in the ruck in the grand final like that, that's a, that's actually bigger and better than actually winning the Brownlow medal by a mile. Yeah,
2: you're under incredible pressure. But so, it, yeah, as you touched on, if the grand final week wasn't big enough as a 22-year-old key position player, you know, the Brownlow medal starts at all on the Monday night on the, on the TV. Now, you're probably sitting there coming in and out of the hyperbaric chamber still. You're ineligible, and yet you finish with the equal most votes. It was 21. It was alongside James Hurd and Michael Voss. It's the first time it's happened that an ineligible player has actually won the Brownlow medal. As you saw at the top of the news, the unluckiest man in football today is North Melbourne Ruckman Corey McKernan. McKernan tied with James Hurd and Michael Voss last night for the Brownlow medal only to be denied because of suspension. However the 22 year old says he doesn't want a change in the Brownlow rules. There was no sooking or whinging from Corey McKernan today. The North Melbourne star says he's disappointed but far from upset at missing out on a share of the Brownlow.
0: I knew that I wouldn't be able to win it as soon as I got suspended, so um, the rule was and made and I broke it and it was as simple as that, it was, I suppose just a coincidence in the end I did happen to finish on the same amount of votes as the winners, but full credit to them blokes, they, they were the fairest and best players in the end, they thoroughly deserved it. McKernan
2: was ruled ineligible after being suspended in round six for kneeing Geelong's John Barnes.
1: He
0: says he's received a wave of sympathy. The phone ran hot from about um, 10 o'clock onwards, I, like, I suppose I took the phone off the hook, but Oh, it's been great. I had a lot of friends ring up last night and leave messages on the phone, so I can really appreciate sort of them ringing up. While many football greats today call for the rules to be changed to allow suspended players to win the Brownlow, surprisingly, McKernan says the law should stay as it is. No, I don't think it should be changed at all. I think that. Um, as it stands at the moment, like if the rules are there, um, that's all, all it is really. I think if you've got to abide by the rules that the AFL set down, they've been down there for probably a hundred years now, so I don't see why they need to change them now.
2: And I think, did Channel Seven come knocking at the front door that night as well?
0: Yeah, they did. They, um, you can imagine, by about sort of nine nine thirty, the the phone started to ring off the hook and. I think I just let them in because in the end, there were people turning up at the front. I think once I let Channel 7 in and do what they needed to do, I put the German Shepherd in the front garden and then just made sure that no one could get in. But <laughs> i tell you, the, the one thing that's interesting with – tell you the one thing I was dirty about, right? So in round 22, we actually played Richmond, and whoever won that was – I think it decided we needed to win to fi- get the double chance, and it might have meant also that Richmond had the win to maybe make the finals. We, it was an even first half, and then we kicked away in the second half. And and I sat there on, I still remember this conversation, I, I sat there on Brownlow Medal Night, and Stewie Anderson, Matty Capuano said, how did you go in round 22? And I looked at them, and it was the first time I went, oh shit, I could actually win this whole thing outright. And they go, why? I said, because I reckon I played well. So here's the thing, Sammy. I was I was more dirty about this than actually losing, right? Yeah. So they read out the votes. Richmond versus North Melbourne. North Melbourne, P Bell, one vote. North Melbourne, W Carey, two votes. Richmond, J Charles, three votes. I played on him. Got. And I had the shit. I had the shits about that. I go, what do you mean? I go, if you look at the way we played and whatever. I was more filthy about that, that Wayne Carey and Peter Bell got votes, but and we won the game. And then they asked me, the, and they said, but you afterwards they've gone, you've just lost the Brownlow. I go, no way about the Brownlow. I said, I'm more shitty about that round 22 because it was only three, four weeks ago. <laughs>
2: Geez, you were stiff. And the, the, the thing that not many people talk about is it was history repeating because you were the Rising Star winner in 94, but you were suspended that year too. And, and I'm not sure how long after it wasn't deemed a reportable offence, but it was tripping by hand.
0: Yeah, the next year. Oh, <laughs> So, and this is what I laugh about, Sammy. It's lucky that Greg Norman's my idol because I'm the same as the shark. i found ways to lose shit. <laughs> yes, that's
2: right. <laughs> but, hey, 96 has a has a happy ending ultimately. So you touched on your performance in it. So you start forward, but what made it even more memorable was you actually start slowly. You're quiet at quarter time. So after all sorts of willy or coming in and then Troy Luff goes and kicks three first quarter goals. That wasn't in the script. Sydney are up by three goals at quarter time. Dennis is probably frothing... And you're, you, I mean, tell me about your mindset, what you remember of it at quarter time. Were you tad sheepish coming in?
0: Um, no, the best thing that happened. And then it was an interesting conversation that happened as we came into quarter time that I think right, right on quarter time, I really got belted on my knee and it was actually the best thing that could have ever happened to me. Cause Harry came out and I think Rog came out as well and, they're asking how you're going. And then I'm walking into the huddle with with those guys. And I said, no, no, I'm actually really good. That was the best thing that could have ever happened. Because I went, if that's the worst, it's going to be, I'm actually going to be fine. And I remember as we're walking in, Dennis made a beeline for us, and he was none too explicit with his feedback and saying, Listen, if he's not right, get him off like yeah. this. But and even we said we go, No, no, it's actually good. I'm actually really good. One thing. And I don't think Dennis gets enough credit for this. You think of the way that I would have played the majority of the year in 1996, right? And he definitely doesn't get the credit for this. And I've I've been meaning to ask Dennis this. I'm going to ask him one day. Is the majority of the year, I actually played ruck forward. So I was starting the ruck, you know, the drift forward and obviously kicked a few goals that year. That was the only game and how he decided to do that in the grand final of all games where I start in the ruck and then play a kick behind. And I'd never, ever done that. So to actually have, I mean, to to do that on AFL grand final day when it's never happened before, I don't think Dennis actually gets the credit for making that move.
2: So, as you touched on, you had a team high possession tally, played a huge role in turning the tide in this game after quarter time. I, I, just can you let us in on the satisfaction you took from that after a difficult week, the pressure at its highest, after the prelim failures of years gone by, there must have been enormous satisfaction out of this win.
0: No, I think so. Even with the stuff that maybe um, I've come to realise, that even the stuff that you're doing with Walk With Me, and if, you, if you've got... A big enough cause, if you've got a cause that's bigger than yourself, I think you can do unbelievably massive things. And I think that's with all teams, all teams and organizations that do pretty special things. And it's no different in your family life. You're going to do things over and above for your kids and your family because the cause is more powerful. It's bigger than yourself. And I think for me, I wanted to win a, a premiership medallion for Lades and Darren, Darren Crocker and Craig Scholl and Anthony Rock. That was that was my why. That that was the exact why. So, anything that was happening with me paled to insignificance because it, it was this unbelievably powerful why. And it it just goes to show with anyone out there, if you can have a an unbelievably big powerful why, you you can do pretty special things in in any walk of life.
2: Yeah, no, that's great advice. We're talking to Corey McKernan on this as your journey. It's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral celebrating lives. We'll be back with Corey right after this. It's been great to have your company here on This Is Your Journey. It's all thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals, a family-owned business since 1934. And our guest today has been Corey McKernan. So, Corey, 97, was disappointing. Shoulder dislocation, the prelim loss to St Kilda. 98, that grand final loss to Adelaide when you were 6-15 at halftime. Actually, just on this game, what happened in 98? So, 21 scoring shots at halftime, Adelaide have had seven. They were four goals, three at that stage. these would appear to be the ones that really haunt, I'd imagine. Peter Bell, he's played every game this year, but he's away to the left, so North putting away a few chances. Cross to Shaw, looping hand-passing,
0: turn to Blakey, turns around, Kikman is second and missed. They have got the yips, haven't they, North? to overhand, who can go 50 out.
1: He gives it a hook. It's coming back. It's a behind. Fours gets the hand pass away. Harvey gives it to Archer. Archer kicks in towards full forward. Pike is at the back. Carey! Oh. Straight into the woodwork. And another behind. He's on the ball. They've added 1-9 in this turn. He wants this goal for his own confidence and this would give North Melbourne a huge break at the half-time break. McKernan 25 metres out.
0: It's close. He's missed. He was no good thing. I don't think there's anyone that played in there. And even like Wayne Carey, I've heard him say it often. I've heard Glenn Archer say it. Yeah, you probably... It's probably the one that you lose that you think about nearly the most. Um, And especially, as you said, like, and it's no disrespect to teams that we had in 96 or 99, but if you look at that team on paper in 1998, it was probably the best team on on actual paper across the board that we had. Um, I don't know, like it. it and again, to borrow it, to borrow Dennis Pagan line: if you only have whiskers, you'd be your uncle. But if you kick if you kick straight, and we kick two goals eleven in the second quarter, the game is actually over. Don't it, doesn't even matter what happened in the second half. Yeah, I do remember when we came in the rooms at halftime. He gave the trainers an absolute fearful fearful spray um, maybe look if you kick straight you're not even having these conversations but I do remember that we we had played um, the lot we hadn't played a day game I, I think for something like three or four months like everyone stop and think about this now 1998 we, we played something like 10 or 12 Friday night games so but again if you kick straight you're not even worrying about that but it, I think on the, on grand final days, 24, 25 degrees and, and full credit to Adelaide. You know, I mean, that, the way that they came out, they, they won the game and we, we definitely, uh, we definitely lost it. But yeah, you always think about the one that got away in that one. And, but you don't know, Sammy, here's the thing. If we win in 98, do you know that you have the hunger to win in 99? Yeah. You, again, you don't know, but if you, if you said for that period, and again, I'm, I'm only quoting the captain in Wayne Carey and, I've heard him say it a few times, I felt like par for us should have been at least three. Like if we win three flags during that time, I think for the team that we had, and it's funny and not that you're doing the whole thing for credit, but it's interesting that people, I think, leave us out of the conversation in terms of like really great teams, maybe the great teams, your par level is winning three flags, but yeah. it seems like in any any time that they don't mention what we what we did at North Melbourne. Yeah, you played in seven straight prelims, which was an amazing feat. But the only thing that is the exclamation mark would have been if you win three during that time, I think you you elevate yourself to the conversation with the maybe with the Lions or the Hawthorns of the world. It was
2: an absolutely incredible run during that time at North Melbourne. Um, I wanted to ask moving forward how the trade to Carlton before the two thousand and two season came about?
0: Oh look I I think I was going up and down in terms of the way I was, I had no, if you look at my playing career and I've analyzed this over the journey and I think this is where I would have been probably uh, like, even with the way that I've heard Richmond go about it over the journey, like in terms of having, um, you know, and the people that work at Richmond in terms of, again, what what I've since learned in the work that I've done on myself with walk with me about having that unbelievable, unbelievably big, powerful why, like, and and for me, it was a matter of how, how could I have tapped into that why more after 96. Yeah. Um, but whereas I, because, I, I don't know, maybe because I'd, I'd, I'd climbed the mountain, found a way to get it, I needed to be able to come up with something that was also bigger than myself in terms of that to get that consistency. But I think over the journey, my, my finals performances at North and the big games was never a question. It was all the other games where, my form, I think, would fluctuate over the journey. But yeah. my, my finals record in general at North Melbourne and, fr- and the big Friday night games, whenever we needed to, when it was all on the line, I know my record's as good as anyone that's played for North Melbourne.
2: Just quickly, I wasn't going to ask you this. And yeah, your big game mentality is the stuff of legend, but just that rollercoaster of form during the home and away, the one that sticks out was the 2001 season uh, against Richmond in round six when you went statless. So much was made of this at the time, just given your standing as a player. Mm. So a a fair bit was made of it, you know, in the sense that you didn't register a single possession or stat. What happened that day? And and how did you deal with it in the aftermath? Because I imagine it would have been challenging.
0: I'm actually really glad you brought it up. Because especially with what I'm doing now with Walk With Mm. Me, about looking after yourself from a physical, mental point of view, honestly, pre-game. I still remember being upstairs. If there was a game that I should have put my hand up pre-game and not played, that would have been it. Because I was in such a state that I'd let all these other things get to me, whether it was media, my own head. And you know what I mean? Knowing what I know now within that space and, and knowing what I'm trying to do with Walk With Me Now about, okay, your pillars and the things, how you look after yourself. I just had gotten so far away from the things that I stand for. And even at that time, the things that got me back on track about connecting with my mates and doing stuff for Challenge Kids with Cancer and all these things that made me feel better, working at ESP with Craig Kelly, doing all these things. It was my structure and routine that really got me into it, about, like not a really good place. And I remember the pre game, Sam. I remember I was upstairs, it was a, a dust sort of evening. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I don't even know how the hell I'm actually going to play footies. Was it any surprise I played like I did? Mm. No. Nah it was maybe also a blessing in disguise that I, I did play so bad that it enabled me to take stock and go, what am I doing? Like, so I do like, um, it is a part of telling the story about what I'm going to do with walk with me. Like how do you explain Sam, that you can have one game over here, you're playing in the biggest game of all, you have 31 possessions and have all the world, um, but not against you, but you know, I mean, you're up against everything, but yet, home and away game, can't even touch the ball. It just goes to show that when we don't look after yourself from a physical and mental point of view or you you get stuck inside your own head, yeah. that's that's the difference of what can happen. So if I can, with the stuff that I'm doing, walk with me, highlight with that with people and it can resonate with people, That's um yes, I'm glad you asked me that, even though it's embarrassing that you went through a game of football and you didn't touch it, Sam.
2: Not at all, mate. The good definitely outweighs the bad without doubt. I just thought, given you... T- took me there, I might um, I might ask you about it and I love the fact as well, you know, the trade to Carlton, you delivered first year, you won the best and fairest there, 40 goals, had a great 2002 He kicks to the forward pocket, McKernan does it beautifully,
0: that's clever a Big kick for Corey McKernan the Blues lead by one point, he has kicked three goals, one for the night
2: Beautiful shot, right behind McKernan, kicking to the punt road and and Corey
0: buries the goal Blues by seven Bilverham kept it going. Temporelli who's dangerous. Pulls it back to centre half forward. McKernan who's been very good. Has taken the mark right on the 50. He's got the distance covered. We saw him earlier in the game. Shoot from outside 50. Better than average chance going on those statistics and he has backed himself. He did have options. Plenty of shots tonight too. He's bitted 4-2. He kicks from 53 meters out. Has it got the carry? It wasn't pretty. It was effective. He's got five.
2: And then a bit of romance at the end. Going back to where it all started at North Melbourne uh, in 2004 was nice as well. So. Corey McKernan, thanks so much for joining us today. I mean, yours is a resume to be proud of. Two premierships, a heavy dose of individual accolades. Yeah, okay, the Brownlow would have been nice, but, geez, being named MVP that year was proof that not only were you as good as anyone out there, but also very much a player for the big occasion. So congratulations on everything you've done and continue to do with Walk With Me, which, by the way, can be found at walkwithmeonline.com. And just thanks a lot for sharing it with us today, mate.
0: Not a problem, Sammy. A pleasure.
2: And thanks for joining us also. You've been listening to This Is Your Journey for Tobin Brothers Funerals, celebrating lives. You can jump online to find them at tobinbrothers.com.au and we'll catch you the next time we celebrate another great sporting journey.